0: This, this is the Pat O'Keefe Show.
1: Uh, Orioles exploded for seven first-inning runs, leading the Yankees 7 nothing. Now, uh, the good news is uh, we've got football this coming week, preseason football. Uh, the Hall of Fame game will be on Thursday in Canton, Ohio. The Jets against the Cleveland Browns. And, of course, you can hear that right here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Our coverage on Thursday will begin at 7 p.m., Right after the Michael Kay show, of course, the Jets, one of the most uh, talked about teams uh, in the offseason, uh, and that will only intensify with the debut of Hard Knocks. I believe that it'll be August 8th. And uh, look, this whole off-season has had a decidedly Jets kind of feel to it. And we'll see if that translates to the team snapping the longest postseason drought currently active in the NFL. A lot of thoughts on the Jets and what Aaron Rodgers said in his response to Sean Payton's comments, also the Dalvin Cook situation. one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. your calls and thoughts as well. Let's go to Tommy on Long Island. Tommy, how you doing?
2: How you doing, my friend? I could talk to you for hours. There's so much to talk about. But you know what about with uh, Peterson and they got two teenage players, right?
1: Uh, now, Robertson, David Robertson?
2: David Robertson, I'm sorry, I said Peterson. Uh, why is that all they get? And then with Sergio, you get his brother's name. Is he any good? I don't know. What else are they gonna do? Are uh, they gonna sell more? What do you think?
1: Um, I think they'll sell more, Tommy. And thanks for the call. They'll sell. You know, Marcana and Tommy Fam are names that there's really no reason now to hold on to those kinds of guys. Um, I don't think the return for David Robertson was that bad. That's really the market for somebody like him. Uh, Robertson is going to be a piece in the Marlins' bullpen. He's not swinging the pennant. The reason why you get more for Max Scherzer, if Scherzer has a dominant two months in Texas, he can swing a pennant race. Uh, Robertson's, first of all, he's only under contract this year. He's at the tail end of his career. Um, He's not getting the Marlins into the playoffs. He's helping their cause. They're in a lot better situation now than they were before the trade to get to the playoffs. For me, the Robertson trade was curious only in the timing of it. Now, the Mets got... That's good value for David Robertson. They got the 19th and 21st ranked prospects in the Marlins system, a catcher and an infielder, 18 and 19 years old, both playing in rookie ball right now. But at that young age... Those rankings can change dramatically year to year. So, if they're the 19th and 21st ranked prospects in an organization now, you know, one good year away from being top 10 prospects in the organization. That's why you take a shot at guys 18 and 19 years old. The Scherzer thing, they got top value because Scherzer can swing a pennant race and because the Texas Rangers are essentially getting Max Scherzer an ace or a top of the rotation guy. And they're paying him basically the equivalent of $17 million a year because Steve Cohen is eating a large portion of that salary. And that's why you're able to get Luis Angel Acuna. Let's go to Lonnie in Harlem. Lonnie, what's going on, man?
2: Hey, Pat. Good afternoon. Um, first of all, shout out to the company. First of all, wanted to call in also just to thank you for yesterday. It was nice meeting you for the first time and everything. Um, and uh, you, you know, making the video for us and everything. Uh, but, yeah, now that we can uh, talk Yankees, uh, I'm just a little – I'm wondering, are they playing the Baltimore Orioles or the, Bo- or the Baltimore Ravens? Because uh, I'm looking at the score and it's 7-1. I mean, what's, what's going on, Pat?
1: It's, this is not pretty, man. You know what, Lonnie, this this, or- this Orioles offense, this is I think it's this Orioles offense is more potent than the Ravens offense was after Lamar went down last year. So, you know, I mean, my goodness. With, with
2: Tyler Huntley. And this is the same team that how said we overlooked it, It's stuff like that that comes back to haunt you, man. That's why sometimes you got to watch what you say. Like how we overlooked the same team in our division. And I'm looking at the screen right now, and I've been watching this game since the start, and it's been disgusting, to be honest with you. Like, Seve came out here and just <clears throat> got, like, 32 pitches before you could even blink. And, and I think it was, like, six six batters, six hits, almost two home runs.
1: And this is the team we
2: overlooked, Pat?
1: Well, this I is... Mean, the Orioles are everything the Yankees are not right now. They're young. They're athletic. Um, they're energetic. They're... They're everything the Yankees are. The Yankees are old. They're high-paid. They're, in many ways, stale. The, the, the Orioles are a polar opposite from the Yankees right now. And so that, that's and where that's the game
2: exactly is. Why, that's exactly why it's shocking to me that he said we overlooked them. And I hope he ain't overlooking them now. Him and Cashman better be birds-eye some because this is – it's stuff like that. Like I said during that whole interview, when he said that, like that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And then, you know, when you're watching games like this, is like this is an important game. First of all, and judge is not in. That's one. And then we out here getting smoked in the first inning because Sevy, I, I don't know, you know, he might be toast, Pat. But uh, I don't know. And, well, that's and on. Jake that's on
3: that's yeah, that that's on seven. Right. It's,
1: it's seven one. Well, it, it was good seeing you yesterday too. And and thanks for the call. Um, yeah, I was out at the uh the Mark Sasso uh celebrity golf uh, golf, excuse me, softball game. Don Legreca's um charity softball game um out in Hawthorne, New Jersey yesterday. Uh saw Lonnie, saw a lot of our great listeners out there who came out to support a great cause. Don. It was my first time playing in it, so I was thankful for uh Don inviting me. I didn't embarrass myself, I didn't exactly uh, you know, light the scoreboard on fire either. Uh, 0 for 2 with a uh, sharp ground out to shorten a deep fly out to left. And I, I handled both of my chances uh, in center field that I got. So, like I said, didn't embarrass myself. Don, um, and I'm sure he'll talk about this on his show on uh, Monday on the Michael K show, but uh, the day ended on a high note because Don LaGreca uh, hit a walk-off or a game-ending three-run home run over the fence onto the roof of the clubhouse uh, beyond the field uh, at, at Wag Field in Hawthorne, New Jersey, uh, and the place went crazy. So it was a great event. Uh, it was great to see all the listeners and the fans that were out there to support a great cause and uh, have some fun with the likes of Don. Dan Grosso was out there. Anita Marks was out there. Uh, Marty Lyons and Greg Buttle, Ken Danico. So totally a lot of fun. Brought my dad out there. Um, he uh, snuck away from me and took a selfie with Marty Lyons, which didn't surprise me at all. So, it was it was a good day all around uh, at the Sasso softball game. Speaking of the Jets, uh, we'll we'll transition to them for a second here, for more than a second. Uh, first and foremost, we'll get to the Aaron Rodgers Sean Payton thing and the aftermath of that and where that stands right now. Um, you know, still waiting on Dalvin Cook and the decision uh, as far as uh, whether or not. He fits into the Jets' backfield. And I had some thoughts on this on Friday night when I was hosting ESPN New York tonight and how it makes a lot of sense. The Jets are clearly a win-now team. As soon as they traded for Aaron Rodgers, they became a win-now team. And if you're this close, right, you've already done all, like, the heavy lifting. Rodgers was the heavy lifting. Being good enough to attract a guy like Rodgers. And they accomplished that last year. Even though the end of the season was disappointing, they showed enough to a guy like Rodgers where he could look at this thing, and rightfully so, and realize that he could be the missing piece to take you over the top. So that was the hard part, accomplishing that. And it's been a long time since the Jets were able to accomplish that. Think about all of the swings and misses that. Quarterbacks, whether through the draft or through free agency. I mean, I remember one particular offseason where the consensus was that the Jets should go out and sign Kirk Cousins, and he ended up in Minnesota. So then the Jets had to settle for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they had to try to do it through the draft. And uh, they obviously swung and missed with Zach Wilson, and they swung and missed before that with Sam Darnold. And um, despite all of that, to draft well enough elsewhere last year, to become an attractive destination for Aaron Rodgers says a lot. So if you're going to get to that point, why don't you try to see it all the way through and improve yourself as much as you can? The running back depth chart right now is led by Brees Hall, who was really good last year in less than half a season and then suffered a season-ending ACL injury. We don't know when he's going to be available. Will it be week one? Will it be week four? And even if it is week one, is he going to be 100%? And even if he is 100%, do we still know that Brees Hall is a top-flight running back? We do know that Dalvin Cook, especially the last four years, when he's been healthy, and I think he's missed only seven out of 65 games over the last four years. His first two years in the league, Dalvin Cook had trouble staying on the field. His last four... He played 58 of 65 games, is one of the best running backs in football, and for this year anyway, still in the prime of his career at 28 years old. So Robert Sala uh, spoke about Cook's visit to the New York Jets. He's a good young man, a very good young man. Didn't interact too much, but I mean, it, it seems like there's a lot of stuff going around, especially when it's open to the public, so but it, was, it was good to say hello. So what does that entail today in showing up, taking a physical, and just meeting everybody? What happens that, That's pretty much it. Call it a meet and greet. I don't know about recruiting. I think it's just more just to get a feel and make the best decision for your family. Did you try to sell it at all at some point today on why you think he'd be good here? I'm sure he's got a lot of questions that he wants to ask, and uh, hopefully we get a chance to sit down and and I can answer any questions that he might have. So, again, uh, we do have Jets football this week, the Hall of Fame game on Thursday night from Canton, Ohio. Jets and the Cleveland Browns they will play the extra preseason game this year. Uh, Don't expect to see Aaron Rodgers. I don't think we should expect to see Zach Wilson in that Hall of Fame game either on, uh, on Thursday night or hear them right here on our airways. Let's go to Artie in Brooklyn. Artie, what's going on?
0: Brad, yeah, right. thanks for taking a call. Um, how many games do you think Dalvin I I'm thinking he's gotta be a two game difference. He I, I called and I said that I didn't think they were you know, it's I, I I wouldn't make them a top playoff team right now. But if you get cook in here, you definitely surpass um teams like the Dolphins and uh have a shot at the division the closer. Um, what what would you think is it? How many games would would Dalvin Cook make on 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 the Jet team? You think
1: it's so hard to quantify that in football because there's so few games. He makes them a better team though. And if you if you have right. Dalvin Cook, th- th- there's there's still questions, even independent of the injury with Brees Hall. He was awesome last year, but I I still would like to see more. So th- even if he was 100 percent healthy, there's still questions with Brees Hall. With Dalvin Cook, you know what you're getting. You're getting an established. Top level, top five, top six level running back in the NFL. So now you put yes. that guy with a top five quarterback, with a guy who's on his way to becoming a top five. He's already a top ten wide receiver, and Garrett Wilson. Then you're pretty much set at every skill position on offense.
0: And you and you hear that Rogers like you know adjusted his contract. I'm not saying he gave up the money. I'm not, I'm not thinking he gave up gave up thirty five million. But nevertheless. He made adjustments so the Jets could go for it, so they could make moves like Cook. It would be really disappointing if they don't get out, if they get out big or if they didn't give them enough money. And, and speaking of is the Scherzer move, I, I don't know how you could have the richest owner in baseball and give up. I don't understand that. There, there was no, there's no reason for that. Look, I'm not saying they're a playoff team, but at least give them a chance. You go out there and you trade your best two guys for what? Some uh, two guys that are going to play in 2027 and uh, a shortstop, second baseman that has seven home runs. I don't care about his last name. He is not a Kuna, or else he wouldn't have they they wouldn't have traded him. I mean, I don't know what your take is, but I mean, I would be so frustrated as uh, uh, giving up all that money for season tickets and stuff like that and not seeing the team to fruition. I mean, it, it just. To me, it just doesn't make any
1: sense. Thanks, Artie, for, the call,
0: thanks for the call. Thanks for the call, man.
1: Look, the writing was on the wall, and there should be frustration from Mets fans, and there are, and there have been since June, since early June, when it became clear that this team had a lot of problems and a lot of holes. The frustration should be towards what the team did or didn't do this year. They didn't play up to the level of expectations. And again, the litany of names that we've already mentioned, Alonzo and Lindor and McNeil and Marte and Scherzer. The Edwin Diaz injury obviously was a crippling blow because if Diaz is in that bullpen, then Robertson is your setup man. And then out and Raleigh become, you become less reliant on them, but they're still just as good from the beginning of the season. There were holes with this team. That's where the frustration should lie. The way that, the Jets have, the Mets, excuse me, have approached putting together this team is not sustainable. It worked last year because the pitching was phenomenal. DeGrom was DeGrom. Scherzer was one of the best pitchers in the league. You had Chris Bassett, who was a really strong number three pitcher. You had Taiwan Walker, who, yeah, he had his moments where he struggled, but overall... The pitching it, it it was it was the combination of everything this year. When the pitching was good, the hitting wasn't. When they put runs on the board, the pitchers couldn't get out of the third inning. Carrasco and I haven't mentioned him because he's a back of the rotation guy, but Carrasco was he was the equivalent of what Luis Severino is for the Yankees this year, and he did it again on Saturday. Far more often than not, Carrasco did not give his team a chance to win. This season, they were without Verlander for the first month. They tried to patch it together with Peterson and Tyler McGill, and that didn't work out. And then Verlander needed about a month to get his legs under him, and once he did, it was all systems go. Scherzer had a really choppy and uneven start to his season and never found his groove this year. And now he's gone. The bullpen, outside of those three guys I mentioned, Robertson, awesome, Ottavino, solid, rarely solid, outside of that the bullpen was a mess this year and then on top of that the lineup underperformed top to bottom outside of well not top to bottom because Nimo didn't underperform although he's been cold since the beginning of July so all of those things added up that's where you should be frustrated but the Mets model of putting this team together is that's not how you win in this league you can't just dip into the free agent market every year and pluck the highest price free agents and put them on, their, on your roster and expect that team to win. You can't do that every single year. You need to, that, that, that's part of it. And the Mets will always have that luxury because of the owner's financial resources. The Mets will always have that luxury, but that can't be the only way you put together a team. So the prospects that they get, they're starting to fill up their farm system. And it's frustrating because if you're a Mets fan, you went from this time last year, you're one of the favorites to win the World Series, and now it's like you're taking a step back. All right. We'll take a break here on eight seven ESPN New York.
3: This, this is
2: the Pat O'Keefe Show.
1: In the first inning, the the bright spot, or I guess the bright side, not a bright spot, the bright side, Luis Severino actually got him through three. When he gives up six runs before recording an out, you figure he's not long for the game and you're going to need to dip into your bullpen for eight or nine innings. Severino has at least given the Yankees three innings and he's at 64 pitches. So I would expect them to continue running him out. Remember the Yankees have the rays coming in starting tomorrow for three games and then four against the Houston Astros. Um, Jake Bauer's homer to get the Yankees on the board in the top of the third inning. Aaron Boone did say before the game that Aaron Judge would be available to pinch hit. He is not playing today. Uh, with the score 7-1, to one, right now it doesn't look likely that there would be a position where the Yankees would need Aaron Judge to pinch hit. Um, so the Sean Payton story continues now, um, where in an article that was released last week, uh, he made comments Torching, first of all, the former head coach of the Denver Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett, now the Jets offensive coordinator. And then he went off on a tangent about the Jets themselves and how they're seeking out attention by bringing in a future Hall of Fame quarterback. I, I My impression was they brought in that quarterback to try to win some more games. And attention does come with that as Sean Payton should probably know, because he did win his fair share of games in New Orleans. But it was very odd comments from Payton. You know, he has since tried to apologize. He has tried to blame it on the fact that he was wearing his Fox hat. Um, You may not even know that Payton spent one unremarkable year as a Fox studio analyst on their football pregame shows last year. Wasn't an overly compelling person there, which may have been part of the impetus to put him back on the sideline this season in Denver. But the big thing for Aaron Rodgers was Nathaniel Hackett. And look, when it became clear that the Jets were going to move on from Zach Wilson and that Rodgers' days in Green Bay might be numbered with the emergence of Jordan Love and um, it had just about run its course there in Green Bay anyway, the Jets made the first move by bringing in Hackett as their offensive coordinator. And a big reason, probably the biggest reason, the biggest reason was because Hackett had been the offensive coordinator with Rogers in Green Bay before he got his shot as a head coach in Denver. And by the way, to parrot some of what Sean Payton said, it was a disastrous tenure for Hackett in Denver that didn't even last a full season. But we all knew that everybody watching last NFL season knew that Hackett wasn't long for that job. He was fired before the end of the season. You could tell week one that he was in many ways in over his head with his shoddy clock management. And the fact that Russell Wilson um, is getting old, smaller quarterbacks do not age well. Um, This could very well have been the beginning of the end for Russell Wilson. Last year, Sean Payton has been brought in to try to combat exactly that. Payton has a lot of experience with smaller quarterbacks who did age very well in Drew Brees. But Rodgers, speaking on NFL Plus, took umbrage with Sean Payton's comments about Nathaniel Hackett.
3: Those comments were very surprising for a coach to do that to another coach. My love for Hackett goes deep. You know, we had some great years together in Green Bay, kept in touch love him and his family, he's an incredible family man, incredible dad, and on the field, you know, he's arguably my favorite coach I've ever had in the NFL. Just his approach to it, how he makes it fun, how he cares about the guys, just how he goes about his business, with respect, with leadership, with honesty, with integrity, and it made me feel bad that someone who's accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure, that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some sort of easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year. I thought it was way out of line and appropriate, and I think he needs to keep uh, my coach's names out of his mouth.
1: That's the best part, <laughs> Keep my coach's names out of his mouth. Who is he, Will Smith? Um, that's great. You know, Rodgers has his guys back. And the whole Peyton thing is just bizarre. I mean, it's great. It's, it's been fun to talk about for a week. You know, you got to be careful when you do this and you host shows because you know you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth even though a lot of us do talk out of both sides of our mouth when you have to talk for three straight hours you tend to do that once in a while but you want people to say things that are controversial or compelling things that you can discuss things that you can dissect and sean payton certainly did that in this case but on the other side of that i can't help but think that what he said was asinine I mean, I just don't understand, especially somebody like Peyton, who has been in the NFL and a highly successful head coach in the NFL for so long, that is not done. And we heard people like Herman Edwards and Mike Tannenbaum and countless others talk about the code that exists. And it does. Can you name me another example? This happens in sports all the time. Most often, When a guy takes over a team as the head coach, it's because the last coach didn't do a good job. If he did a good job, then there'd never be any turnover, and you wouldn't be the head coach of that team. But everybody is always – it doesn't do anybody any good by going in there and torching the guy who had that job before you. We all know the deal. We all know that Hackett was lousy. We all know that Russell Wilson was lousy. We saw the Broncos play. We watched the NFL. It was a mess last year. That's why you're there. That's why he was fired less than one year into being the head coach of that team. So to draw attention to it is just bizarre. On the other hand, I'm kind of glad that he did because it's fun to talk about, right? But let's also examine Sean Payton a little bit and how this might work in Denver. And again, the Jets face the Broncos in Week 5, and Robert Sala has already said, his piece on this about Sean Payton took the high road, as Salah often does, but you could also tell that there was a tone in his voice that he wasn't happy about it. And why should he? Not just talking about Nathaniel Hackett, but from Salah's perspective, dragging the Jets as a franchise into it, to me, serves absolutely no purpose. But Sean Payton, in the, after the 2009 season, led the New Orleans Saints— to the Super Bowl 44 championship. In his final 11 seasons, Sean Payton has won five playoff games. He won five playoff games in his last 11 seasons in New Orleans. So during that time, if you want to look at it another way, since he won the Super Bowl after the 2009 season, since he won that Super Bowl, Sean Payton has won one more playoff game than Tom Coughlin has won. And Tom Coughlin hasn't coached in the NFL since 2015. So it's not like this is Bill Belichick. This is not an all-time great coach coming to a new situation, and it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to turn things around. And what he's done is he's just kind of shined this spotlight even brighter on himself by being a jerk. So any slip-ups by Peyton or his team, the first time that there's shoddy clock management from the Broncos' sideline, people are going to be all over this. So I guess, yeah, on the one hand, he's got this supreme confidence that he's just going to come in wave his magic wand, and revert Russell Wilson to the player he was when he was in his prime in Seattle, but I don't see that happening. Wilson has gotten a little bit worse each and every year. Wilson was at his best when he was playing on a rookie contract and not even a rookie contract for a first-round pick, a rookie contract for a third-round pick, and he was playing behind a stout offensive line with a top-flight running back with really good wide receivers, and the best defense in football. Like almost every quarterback who's not great, and Russell Wilson is not great. Dak Prescott is not great, and the same thing happened to him. Some quarterbacks are great, like Aaron Rodgers, and it doesn't matter how much they take up of the salary cap, their teams are going to win because of their greatness. Russell Wilson's not that guy. So as soon as Russell Wilson had to get paid – His teams, and therefore his performance, became a little bit worse each and every year. And he's getting paid top dollar as the Denver Broncos starting quarterback right now, in addition to the fact that they emptied the cupboard to acquire him from Seattle to the point where Seattle's A, already better than the Broncos, and B, has their future draft picks to continue to fortify their roster. So that's the position that Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos are in. But we'll see. He has shined an immense spotlight on himself as he comes into a situation that was already going to be very challenging. For all the reasons I already mentioned, plus the fact that he is in a division with the best team and the best player in the NFL, and also in a division with one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL, Justin Herbert. So we shall see. But Aaron Rodgers on NFL Plus, keep my coaches' names out of your mouth. Love it. You know, just the latest in uh, a long line of things you love to see since Aaron Rodgers came to our fair city. We'll update you on the Yanks and uh, some other thoughts as we continue on 98.7 ESPN New York.
3: This is...
2: The Pat O'Keefe Show.
1: Go to Jose in Brooklyn. Jose, what's going on?
3: Hey, good evening, Pat. Uh, shout out to the company. Great meeting you yesterday at the event. And just wanted to talk some yanks, but when you you got me going with the uh, you know Sean Payton comments, because that's something that I did want to you know also talk talk, um, talk about at a later time. But I'll talk about it now since um, it was just you know fresh in the brain um, with the Sean Payton stuff. It's very sad because. It, it, it's clear that he, he he's working with the shot quarterback in Russell Wilson. Now, I, you know, I do take a little bit of umbrage where, you know, is he on the level of a Tom Brady? No, he's not. He's not in that tier. He's not in that tier of, a, you know, of the great quarterbacks that we think of. But I do think that, you know, where it got a little bit disrespectful is where his own teammates from the Legion of Boom tried to make him sound like he was Trent Dilfer. And that they could have, you know, had any other quarterback, you know, play in that position and win those games when I've seen enough of Russell Wilson. I agree with that.
1: He was better than that. Yes. I
3: agree. Yeah, that. so that's kind of where that—that's kind of where you know I just wanted to get that out in the open. But I—I I do think that this was just a desperate ploy because you know Russell Wilson, his personality type and everything. It looks like he's definitely you know got some confidence shot. And if I don't—and uh, people remember that game that he took that hard hit to the ground. That was something that was just very disturbing, and you know, so I do hope for him. But to my Yankee point, to make it real quick, I don't think this team is going to get better. With Judge, they're kind of playing themselves, and, I, and at this point, I'm starting to think that this is more to just try to keep the hope alive, to pretty much keep the, the, the ticket sales to go into September, because the, he, he, if he needs a day off after a couple days of playing, he's not ready to play. And this is something that they, that they have to realize that they have him for eight more years outside of this contract. And this, uh, there, there has to be some type of long game here because there's no the, – we're, we're going to still continue to be in this orbit where we're just not going to be great. And to the third point that I wanted to bring up since, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of my resident Nick insider, what's, what's taking so long with the Josh Hart deal? Like, I thought the move for OB Toppin was to clear up cap space to, you know, give them this maneuverability. And this hasn't gotten done yet. I think that this should be, you know, official a, a at least before the season. So just wanted hey, to hear your thoughts on that, Pat. Thanks.
1: Jose, good meeting you yesterday, too. And um, thanks for the call. I think um, they they have time to do that. This is always the dead period for uh, for the NBA. You know, it's uh, the draft is obviously right after the finals and then free agency starts like a week after the NBA draft, and that's hot and heavy for like two weeks. I mean, you know, the cliche, and it's a cliche often because it's true, but there's no downtime in the NBA calendar. It's it's virtually true, but this is the downtime right now. From late July until about the middle of August, um, there's usually not a ton of NBA news during that period of time. The next big thing you'll hear is the schedule release sometime in the middle of August. So... Uh, they have time. I think they have until the start of the season. You know, Hart did opt into his, uh, he did opt into his player option after last season, but the uh, goal and the intent is to work out an extension right now. The other thing about Hart is he's got a busy off season. He's playing with team USA in the FIBA world cup. And uh, I don't know if you've been on uh, Instagram or uh, social media in the last 24 hours, but Jalen Brunson got married yesterday and it was a uh, celebration of uh, Villanova stars from the past. Um, I saw Ryan Archidiakono there. Obviously, Josh Hart was there. Mikhail Bridges was there. Dante DiVincenzo was there. Even non-NOVA guys. I saw RJ Barrett was there. So um, Hart was preoccupied with that over the weekend. Uh, The FIBA World Cup is coming up, and he'll be part of Team USA for that, along with Jalen Brunson. RJ Barrett will also be playing in that for Team Canada. And then as we get closer to September, and the start of the NBA season, I expect uh that to have itself sorted out because Hart is certainly in the plans going forward for the Knicks. You know, the Russell Wilson thing, um the Broncos this year, I just with Sean Payton, I I think it was clear to everybody what the problem was last year. It was coaching, yes, but Russell Wilson was a big problem last year, and he wasn't the guy they thought they had traded for. So one of the theories that has been floated out there, why would Sean Payton make these comments? And it's a fair question because they're so just, I'm not going to say out of character because I don't think they're out of character. They're out of character for a football coach. I mean, you would expect somebody in that position who's been in that position for so long just to be smarter. So one of the theories that was floated out was that it was to, you know, motivate Russell Wilson or a show, or show it was a sign that he had Russell Wilson's back. You know, basically his comments were meant to absolve Wilson of any blame from last season. But what happens if Wilson is just as bad this year? Because I think that's a very real possibility. You know, I think a lot of the problem was Hackett and the clock management and you know, the overall culture on the team, he did not have a handle on any of that. But as big a problem as anything was the play of Russell Wilson. You know, Hackett, I understand he didn't develop Aaron Rodgers, right? But he was the guy running the offense in Green Bay when Aaron Rodgers was winning back-to-back MVPs. That's how he got the job in Denver. Well, he got the job in Denver for the same reason he got the job in New York because they thought they by hiring him, would have a chance at getting Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, is he a developer? No, but he, didn't, he shouldn't have needed to develop Russell Wilson either. The Broncos thought Wilson was like a consolation prize. All right, we didn't get Rodgers. Well, let's get Russell Wilson, and we'll give up slightly less to trade for him. Except Wilson wasn't slightly worse than Rodgers. He was a lot worse than Rodgers. And everybody knows that's the problem. So if Sean Payton just shut his mouth, took the job, did what he was brought in to do, which is turn around Russell Wilson's career, trust me, we would know where to give the credit. He would be getting all of the credit for that. He didn't need to call out the previous guy to set himself up to get the credit for if and when he turns around Russell Wilson's career. And then at that point, we would all say, wow, Nathaniel Hackett really was that bad. You know, Wilson's back to playing like the guy who was thought to be an MVP candidate in Seattle his last couple of years. But I don't think that's going to happen. And if that doesn't happen, well, then what for Sean Payton? Who's he going to blame then? What if Denver goes 5-12 and 12 this year or 6-11? and 11? They're in a tough division. Chargers, Chiefs, right off the bat. Okay, that's four games right there. Two top six quarterbacks in your own division, including the best Team and player in the NFL. It is an uphill climb for that team. So if it doesn't work out, well, then how much do we blame Hackett? Then do we say, well, maybe it's just the players. Maybe it's just the quarterback. He really did sign and shine an unnecessary spotlight on himself, which was very odd. Awesome. Closing thoughts on the Yankees and uh, and the Mets in the post-Max Scherzer era when we come back here on eight seven.